Hello and welcome to the Corner 3 where we're posted up and spotted up talking Mavs and more all things NBA on and off the floor on 97.1 The Freak and the Mavs YouTube channel wherever you are in the great wide world. I hope you're having a fantastic Saturday, November 12th, 2022. My name is Bobby Corella. Joining me as always, let's start at the end of the table and make our way back this time. Isaac Harris! Oh man, so good. We were just talking before uh, we hit record on this about a time that you were bowling for your life. I was. You literally won $300 cash to pay your rent <laughs> by bowling. Some people wilt under pressure. I'm just built you different. You thrive. Yeah. <laughs> You're a problem. You're a problem. A uh, walking bucket. I am a walking bucket. <laughs> a also, walking turkey. <laughs> I am. <laughs> also <laughs> joining <laughs> us. As always, someone who just gifted me a candle this morning and a little and mini a little, bottle yeah. of Moet Did you get it from Michaela? No. I got oh, my gosh. It's Katia oh. Vialba. <laughs> What's up, Bobby? We got to stop being <laughs> creepy. We got to stop being creepy. We just got to talk sports. Katia, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready to talk <laughs> Mavs basketball. Unfortunately, we do have to do that. No. Oh. There's been some basketball lately. We're going to push it off. For as far as we can. Katya, though, last night you partook in a murder mystery. I did. Now, I don't want it too many spoilers, but I do want to know, did you do it? No, I did not. Okay. That's Actually, good. you guys will find this funny. It was very uh, bachelorette party humor because it was like for ladies night out. And so like a lot of the humor was very like for a bachelorette party. I don't so. know, can you describe some of that? I don't know how, how mm. detailed I can get. But it was so weird because I was sitting next to one of our HR like ladies. Yeah, what's <laughs> going on at like, company-sanctioned <laughs> events? <laughs> like, am I allowed to laugh at this? Am like, I not? She's over here like, this is how you get away with it. I watched Dahmer, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> we went bowling for guys' night out and had, like, hot dogs. There was no... No, we, <laughs> was we went no. and had, like... I had a proper steak dinner. Like, salmon, chicken was the other option. Like, nice mm. restaurant. Uh, drinks. Drinks were had. Not by me, but drinks were had. Uh, on the house? On the house. You got oh. drink tickets. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Drink tickets? Yeah. Four of them. Four? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was did a four-hour event, so if you pace yourself correctly, drink water in between. Did every drink <laughs> cost one ticket, or were there some yes. drinks that were like two? No. Wonder why, I wonder why you didn't solve the mystery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Someone did. The mystery was whether or not you went. You just can't remember. <laughs> what, what did I do last night? I can't remember. So now we're not doing Cat's Corner. That was Cat's Corner. All right, that was Cat's Corner. All right, well, it was, it was a fun show. <laughs> Good times, guys. It was a fun it's show. It. Come tomorrow night, um, or tonight, Blazers, Mavs. Yeah, uh, the Mavs' first game since beating Brooklyn. Can't believe the Mavs had a whole week off. They did not have to play Man. a single basketball game. Did not go on a two-game trip. No, nope. nowhere. Um, e, who's in the back directing and producing this one, was not out of town on the trip with the Mavs. Did not take a bus from Orlando to Tampa. He did or a not flight. find you a new friend. No. Who may <laughs> no. or may not play Pokemon Go. Who's on the staff, uh, <laughs> allegedly. But uh, I've, I've yet to meet this person. The more Pokemon Go players in the world, the better. But uh, <laughs> I think we've, we've delayed for as long as we can. We've mm. procrastinated. We've put off the inevitable, avoided the inevitable as much as we possibly can. Unfortunately, the Mavs did play basketball. We were lying to you just now. They played two games. Since beating Brooklyn, and they have zero wins to show for them. Dallas went to Orlando, lost 94 to 87.
they went to Washington, D.C. and lost to the Wizards, 113-105. Now, normally, whenever you lose to those teams, you might be like, oh, man, that's a bummer. But then whenever you realize that the Magic were playing without Paolo Bencaro. Oh, yeah, your guy was out. Yeah. Yeah. The Wizards were playing without Bradley Beal and Kristaps Porzingis. And DeLon Wright. And DeLon Wright. Hello. Uh, Thank you. uh, I'm drinking from this Whataburger Yeti. Thank you to DeLon. Uh, Whenever they're playing without all those guys and you still lose, then, yeah, that's a pretty big bummer. And so let's work our way forwards start let's start from the very beginning before mm. we do i just want to say that i correctly guessed the homestand was going to be a four and one though oh that's true we talked about this yesterday that's and true. i was like you got to bring that up that's and very you true bring that up. i didn't true. say which game they were going to lose he told so. me he didn't want to give you credit so oh that's not what I said. <laughs> okay okay that's not okay. what i said uh i wish that we could talk more about the four and one homestand but alas <laughs> Last, uh, let's start from the beginning. So not not uh, Thursday night's game. Let's talk about Wednesday night in Orlando. The Mavs lose ninety four to eighty seven. Now this game followed a um, a fairly familiar story over the course of many years. Now it really feels like th- you know since nineteen twenty, really th- kind of throughout the Luca era. Of these games where oh my god, I thought you meant ni- like nineteen twenty. I was like, the Mavs have not been playing no, basketball since nineteen twenty. The famous nineteen twenty Magic <laughs> Mavericks uh, game played in Orlando was Florida <laughs> State in nineteen twenty. <laughs> um, this this very familiar story where you're playing against a lottery team. The Magic heading into that game were just two and nine. You know, one of the league's worst records, and they're playing without their best player, and the Mavs kind of get off to this sort of meandering start and the whole game just feels way closer than it is and then in the fourth quarter the wheels fall off and Dallas ends up losing and it really feels like we've seen that story so many times and it's always a bummer when it happens you know and the Mavs aren't the only team that lose to bad teams right every single team in the NBA loses you look at the Warriors schedule they've gotten destroyed by some bad teams already this season but you know what went wrong in that game what is like your main takeaway from that loss or your main takeaways from that loss? Well, there's some weird stat stuff. You know, you s- mentioned the fourth quarter uh, in that, but, you know, they won the first quarter. They were even in the second quarter. Um, they lost the third quarter just by three points, but 13 points in the fourth quarter for Dallas in the Orlando game, two points for Luka in the fourth quarter. Um, I would go out on the limb and say fourth quarters in which Luka scores two points and uh, it's a close game and not a blowout game that uh, Dallas might not come away with a victory in a lot of those games. Uh, but, you know, just some other numbers. You know, they lost the rebounding battle by 20 rebounds. A lot like, of offensive that's a rebounds lot. for Orlando, especially in the second half. A lot. Of, and now Orlando's a gigantic team. Yeah. So everyone's got to lock in more on rebounding, and that just it wasn't happening. Um, you know, you look at three-pointers in this game. They shot 21 more threes uh, than, than Orlando did just – you see kind of just two different, a little two different styles of play uh, with both, you know, Orlando and Dallas. But it literally just came to that fourth quarter. I mean, 13 points in, a, in the fourth quarter is just unheard of. It's, and with Luka only scoring two points, Dinwiddie, I thought, had an incredible game. He's had an incredible past two games, actually. He finished, what, 28, 29, point, 29 points? Yeah, he finished uh, with 29 in this game. But, um, yeah, it's, it just... The wheel, I mean, you said it. The wheels came off in the fourth quarter, and that's why they lost the game. Just a lot of misses. Offense kind of it just sputtered. Yeah. The, uh, the stat that stands out to me on that one is they, they allow 50 points in the paint. And, and it's like 
Okay. And they did against Washington too the very next night. So it's not yes. even this is not an isolated so thing. That's a trend. I mean, teams are getting into the basket against the Mavs. I was just looking up um, opponent points in the paint for the season. The Mavericks average 50.9, so about 51 points in the paint that they give up every game on average and that is 11th most in the NBA. So, it's not, you know, I'm surprised the that worst. there's 10 teams that allow more. <laughs> Who's the worst? Uh, the Spurs allow 57.8. Okay, yeah. so st- I mean, seven points away from the top is yeah. I mean, know. it's it's pretty close. And then yeah. the net the Nets lead the league and the fewest allowed at forty two point five. Okay, so yeah. I mean, the Nets did make it tough, but that's like that's kind of uh, at the end of this segment we're going to talk about what's what needs to get better and and what's gone well so mm-hmm. far. So let's circle back to this this protecting the paint thing. Okay. Um, the next night, Thursday night, the Mavs went to Washington D.C. Now they took a very circuitous path. They had to bus from Orlando to Tampa, Florida. It's about a two-hour drive west and fly out of Tampa because the Orlando uh, airport was closed thanks to Hurricane Nicole. Is that what it's called? Yes. Yep. Uh, cool. Well, I, I know the name of Tropical Storm slash Cat 1 uh, Hurricanes. Follow-o would be so proud. Follow- he would be. Shout <laughs> out yeah, Mark follow um, <laughs> And so, you know, the game started at 4.30, but Dallas still got to D.C. very late at night. And so, okay, you're expecting maybe fatigue to be an issue. The Mavs played both of these games without Christian Wood. Uh, Tim Hardaway suffered that hip strain. And he played, was he fully 100%? Who knows? But, you know, fatigue was definitely an issue. Dallas still, they gave up, what, 36 points to Kyle Kuzma. Wizards playing with no KP, no Bradley Beal. But to their credit, Kuzma, Rui Hachimura, Denny Avdia all scored season highs, and the Wizards, again, very similar thing. The Mavs got off to a hot start. They scored more points in the first three minutes of the game against Washington than they did in the entire fourth quarter against Orlando. Wow. They made five of their first six threes, or maybe even six of their first seven threes. But then after that, same exact thing. Playing from in front for most of the game, and then the fourth quarter happens, and suddenly bad things are happening. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of a little deja Mm vu-ish, you know, when you look at both those games back-to-back, but you look at a game to where you say, like, on paper, all right, if Luca's kind of off, you know, he didn't hit his 30-point mark, he's looking a little sluggish, if you want to say. He shot poorly in both games. Yeah. And, and against Washington, I think he was like two of seven on free throws, like just bad everywhere. Yeah, yeah. and, you know, coming up short on some of his shots. Um, but if you're going to say, hey, Luca's going to have a, let's say, bad game, what are some other things that you need to go right to win a game? It's like you look at some of this other stuff. They hit 18 threes in a game against Washington. Um, Dinwiddie, yeah. how much, how many did Dinwiddie? 33, 11 <laughs> of 17, 7 of 12 from three. Yeah, so it. like, he brought he the b- juice. I mean, was I that a revenge game for him? Did maybe. call it that? Like, I don't. But like, we, we've, we're like, hey, who's the second guy next to Luca? Dinwiddie theoretically was that. I mean, at 33 in the game. They forced 17 turnovers. They, they checked off a lot of the other boxes of, hey, if Luca's going to have a bad game, we need X, Y, and Z to happen for us to win the game. Mm-hmm. And it's like, a lot of these other things, happened and they still lost so that part worries me a little bit and obviously you got to figure out how to close games and this is two straight games against two lesser opponents i don't you know they're below 500 i mean orlando is you know they're very injured but they have Mm -hmm. they're one of the worst teams in the nba so far yeah and it's like you didn't have christian wood in both of these games but did should they like you should be able to beat these guys without christian wood like i mean we're talking, they didn't have, not only are they below 500, but they're missing their best players, and they, yeah. s- and they still lost. So, um, 
There's definitely something they got to figure out with the fourth quarter. Yeah, a couple of miscellaneous stats from the Washington game. Once again, Mavericks gave up 52 points in the paint. They only scored 36. Um, the They forced 17 Washington turnovers. The Mavericks only had uh, 13 turnovers, but both teams scored 18 points off of each other's turnovers. So mm. they're not like exactly like that's kind of a wash, right? Like you're not mm. like particularly capitalizing on that. And then um, offensive rebounds. Washington had eight. The Mavericks had seven, but Washington was able to get 11 points out of their eight, and the Mavericks only got seven out of the seven. So yeah, those just those opportunities, they they add up. They oh, add that up. was a similar thing in the Brooklyn game, too, where you know Brooklyn didn't force a ton of Mavs turnovers, but they scored almost every time. They didn't get a ton of offensive rebounds, but they scored almost every time. Mm-hmm. And so you, know, you want to control the paint. You want to control the glass. You want to protect the ball. You're going to fail at those things from time to time, but you have to be able to recover. You know, when you do, you can't compound mistakes, right? If you miss a box out, that's fine. But what you can't do if you miss a box out is as your guy is going up for a putback dunk, you like touch him and turn it into an and one. Or like you give up a long rebound and then nobody closes out on the shooter and it's a wide open three. You know, like it's just compounding mistakes, you know? Um, and, And that's happened a lot. Now, I want to talk about some of the things that have gone well this season to sort of cleanse the palate, and then we can talk about some of the things that need to get a lot better. Um, these are two bad losses. There's no way around it. You know, you yeah. want to you win 50 games, you got to win at least one of these games. But what has gone well this season? Let's, let's each take a turn here and say something good about the team to keep us from uh, <laughs> getting closer to that ledge. So City Edition jerseys are going <laughs> to... By the way, we got uh, an interview with Andre Robinson, the director of the City Edition video, coming up later in the show, too. Is, uh, I'm excited. So talented. The video is awesome. Jerseys are awesome. But uh, let me just talk about Spencer Dinwiddie real quick. That's I what was, I was going to talk about. We, get, we can tag team it? All right. Let's go. Um, That's great. That makes me feel good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I feel great. You look at last year, you know, a lot was made about losing Jalen Brunson. Rightfully mm-hmm. so. He's, he's doing great in New York right now. Uh, last year, Brunson averaged um, 16 points a game, five assists, uh, 50% from the field, 37% from three. Just is just standard numbers uh, there um, in the regular season. You look at Dinwiddie this season so far: 18 points a game, four and a half assists per game, 48% from the floor, 43% from three. Um, it's looking like one of his best seasons of his career so far. Now, there's only been a select number of games so far for Dinwiddie, but. 62 points over his last two games. One of the biggest things was, hey, who's going to be the no- – We just I just mentioned a little bit ago, but who's going to be the number two guy next to Luka? Mm-hmm. I was really high on Dinwiddie having a big-time season. Now, it's just 18 points. not like he's averaging 28 a game. But he's playing really, really well. And I think the transition from that bench Jordan Clarkson role to being a starter, it's going to take a little bit of time for him. But he's playing really efficient basketball. He's shooting really well from the field, and uh, I just I just like his game. I want him to be aggressive and shoot the ball a ton, and yeah, I've I've liked what I've seen from him. He can get better defensively, but I've liked what I've seen on the offensive end. These last two games, his first step has been so explosive. Yeah. I mean, he's like blowing past guys, which is really good to see because last year coming off that injury, he didn't necessarily have that initial burst. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, for me also, I mean – we talked about this a lot last week. Dwight Powell, him, him getting back into the starting lineup for the Washington game, I thought was key. Um, the first basket that they made was a uh, was a pass from Luca to Dwight. It's it's that like efficient, 
you know, you know that's going to be a bucket. It's comfort food. It is. It absolutely <laughs> is. And I know, uh, like, people are very, like, I don't know. You know, it's it's a very, uh, what do you call it, controversial subject on Twitter. You know, like, the love-hate relationship. Very polarizing. That Mav's Twitter has. Yeah, it's a very polar. That's a better word. Something's polarizing, polarizing on Twitter? No way. <laughs> no way. But, I mean, in the Washington game, he was super effective. 26 minutes, 14 points, 7 rebounds, 6 of 9 from the field, and made both of his free throws. Unfortunately, though, all of his misses were, like, point blank, <laughs> which is the, that's the, that's the <laughs> curse, right? Yeah. If all you do is shoot baskets, like, shoot layups or dunks, whenever you do shoot 6 of 9, it's going to feel like you had a terrible game because you missed a couple gimmies, you know? Yeah. Like, that's the, the blessing. And, and the we're talking about that. someone who is so efficient in the restricted area. I mean, he has led the league in restricted area field goal percentage, I believe, for a couple years. Yeah, it's like the Dwight Powell Award. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, for sure. But if if you know your game, you know what you're good at, you stick to it. Mm. You know? Um that's what about two, you? something I feel good about. Uh I mean I was very impressed with Lucas Start, obviously, the last two games for him. He's looked noticeably tired and has admitted so uh in the post game. Which that in and of itself is also kind of a, a double-edged sword, like mm-hmm. a, a good and bad thing. Because whenever he's playing as well as he is, you just want to let him keep cooking. You know, right. just keep giving Luca the ball. But eventually, you're going to run out of steam a little bit. And with the way that teams are defending the Mavs, this kind of this good thing also ties into the bad thing. With the way teams are defending the Mavs, they're daring Luca to do that. They're saying, Luca, how many points can you score? And he scored enough to help the Mavs win games. Uh, to start the year, but these last two games, he was, what, I think 9 of 29 against Orlando and against Washington. He was, like, below 40% again. You know, a lot of turnovers, not getting to the rim right as, quite as effectively, not getting to the free throw line as much. You know, there's a lot of expectation, a lot of pressure on him to create everything going to the basket, to create every shot for everybody else, to find the open man every time, and also to score 40 points. And that's a very difficult workload um, for someone to manage. Now, Isaac, like you said, what happens whenever he does have a bad game? Because who knows? Against Portland on Saturday, he might go for 60. You know, mm-hmm. But whenever he does have a bad game, other people need to step up. Well, they did against Orlando. Dallas still, or against Washington. Dallas still scored 105 points with Lucas struggling. Against Orlando, that was not the case. 87. 87 is not enough. Now, the Mavs defense delivered against Orlando, holding them to 94, but they allowed Kyle Kuzma and Washington to score 113. So... Whenever Luka is struggling, the defense has to be there. The shot making from other guys has to be there. Both of those things. You cannot have a bad night on either mm-hmm. end of the floor if Luka is having a bad night too. So that's kind of the, the good and the bad side of the same coin. I got a Luka thing that I put out on Lockdown Mavs a few, I want to say a week or so ago, that we were looking at uh, Luka's three-point attempts. And I kind of just threw this like random number out there and I just said, hey, Less, I want to track this year, I want to track Luca's uh, three-point attempts, nine and a half. Nine and a half over under, let's look at wins and losses. So this season so far, when Luca shoots the ball, <laughs> shoots more than uh, nine and a half threes, so ten threes or more in a game, uh, he's done that three times so far this year. Do you want to guess how many times they've won in those three games? Say zero. I'm going to say zero also and zero. So uh, wow. You look at the, you know, they've lost five games this year for the, for Dallas. Three of those is when Luca's attempted over, over ten threes or ten or more threes, and I, I say that just because he can get to the rim and get into the paint at will. Mm-hmm. And if he's shooting over ten or more threes a game, it's there's something with that. Now there's going to be outliers in that. We we all know that, but it also shows kind of like his approach to that game. Is he forcing some? Because we know. 
a lot of Luca's threes are ISO step backs, all of that. He's not doing a ton of catch and shoot threes because we don't have a ton of creators on the team. So yeah, I mean the 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 game runs through him. So, exactly. So if if he's shooting a three, it's because he created that shot. It's not from a pass. Yeah. So as soon as the Orlando game happened, he he attempted eleven threes. They lost. I started getting all these tweets like, oh, another game. You know, he attempted more. So uh, it that's something that. If listeners want to follow, this is something I'm I'm going to track this year. That's like, your magic number. It's, and, and I just like threw it out, but it's just like I don't know. Maybe it, it is a telling thing, but there's it's not just on Luca. It's also how the roster's constructed around him that makes those attempts what they are. Yeah, Kyle Kuzma gave a quote saying, "You know, how were you able to defend Luca so well?" Well, he said, "We know that the team around him." And he did add the caveat without Christian Wood, but he said, "We know the team around him is limited." That was his direct quote. KD yeah. said a very similar thing, too, about how you can just really get up in Lucas Grill and double-team him and not have to worry about anybody else. Now, I would push back a little bit. If you leave the shooters open, they will they'll yeah, hurt you. Sure, yeah, for sure, for um, sure. And teams are staying home at the sh- on the shooters now, so the way to beat that is those guys have to be able to attack closeouts. Dorian, Reggie Bullock, Maxi Kleba, Tim Hardaway Jr., even Denwitty, who's done a very good job, Christian Wood. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to attack the closeouts, get to the basket, and score for yourself. Otherwise, they're gonna conti- they're gonna keep just taking the three ball away from you, and you're not gonna have anything, and the offense is gonna sputter yeah. at times. So it's in short, it's very complicated. It's just complicated. Yeah, for me, the thing that could get better is just uh, positions on defense and not looking kind of so lost or they you know give ew. up a lot of drives to the yeah. basket. A yeah, yeah, and so. sometimes that's missed rotation. Sometimes it's just not holding yeah. up your weight. You know, you gotta everyone's just gotta play better. <laughs> that's the that's the that's what it comes right? down to. Yeah. Everyone's just got to play better. Now, someone who might have to give better takes is Isaac because he had a Uh-oh. lot of them this summer, and we're going to grade them. <laughs> Are you good, or do you need improvement too? Coming up next on The Corner 3. Welcome back to The Corner 3 on 97.1 The Freak. This episode's obviously on our YouTube channel, Dallas Mavericks YouTube channel, if you want to watch the video of that as you sit in your living room or watch on your iPads or whatever you're doing. This is uh, Aaron on the radio on Saturday. Mavs game tonight. Portland. Mavs are going to win by like, I don't know, 40? 60. City Edition talk. 80. (laughs) (laughs) Got a great interview coming up uh, soon uh, with Andre about the uh, City Edition video that came out. Welcome to the Retroplex. It's awesome. Make sure you uh, stick around for that. But let's grade some of my... Oh, wait, first. Let me get your thoughts on the City Edition stuff. Oh, my gosh. It's the best we've ever done. I mean, it, it's... I mean, the graffiti jerseys are... If they are the ground... Oh, okay, I was, did you, <laughs> my face was no. not on camera. That was, because that, we're, we're just going to start there with the bar. <laughs> um, these... This City Edition jersey this year is up in the clouds. I love every bit about it. I love the blue. I love the word mark of it. I love the retro feel for it. Um, Andre shares something else about what's going to happen uh, Saturday night or a, a look of something that I think is a lot of fun. Um, I just love all of it, and it's going to destroy my bank account on Saturday. Okay, well, that's a great A take, so you're off to a good start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're grading your takes here. I, I, yes. His so off-season takes. So okay, you're pre- like forecast. Before the season started, 
obviously, if you you know, when you talk like we do about mm-hmm. the Mavs and everything, you, when you, you do a show five days a week, yes, in you, the off season, you have to give predictions, opinions, and everything about the season. So I was like, all right, let's let's just grade. This gives you a chance to roast me, but also some of them like, okay, let's see how <laughs> roast me, but also validate me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but also. Uh, <laughs> What I was right about, let me know. But also remember, <laughs> it's early. So if I was wrong, it's early. This is like one of those things where, like, if you're a blogger, you just write about any target they could trade for, and then when they trade for one of the 182 targets, I, you know, it. I was on it. I uh, knew it. Like, I did this three years ago. I did this. <laughs> I talked about this. I had the Photoshop jersey swap and everything. <laughs> yeah. But some of these, some of these are, they might not. You can give it a letter grade, but it's more about how we feel. Might not have like a full like answer a hit, on a yet. Yeah, yeah, a hit like, or miss, okay. or where, where are we at now? So uh, let's just do the first one. Since we already talked about him a little bit, uh, before the season, I was really high on Spencer Dinwiddie having a breakout season, that Dinwiddie is going to have one of the best seasons of his career. I even told him that on media day. Um, whenever he was talking, he asked me, flipped this question back to me. He's like, why do you think that we're going to you know, do so well this year? And you were like, because of you. And I really did. I was like, <laughs> and, and I like looked guy. at Nick first and I'm like, he's really going to think I'm just blowing smoke here. <laughs> and I looked at Nick and Nick's like, no, no, really. He's been talking about this. I was like, I think you're going to have like a big season this year. And he's like, oh, I appreciate it, whatever. But I did. I still feel like it. Where's that? How do you grade that right now? Do, we, or, do you want to give him letter grades or is this a one to ten? Sort of a, letter, a letter grade or a hit or a miss. Okay. Like if, if you don't if you don't want to letter grade it, uh, I got ooh, a letter grade know, for I'll this g- one. I'll give you baseball. I'll give you baseball like. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea what that means. Terminology. <laughs> okay. Baseball is a sport. <laughs> uh, Bobby said baseball. Is this a double Cat. play? Right. <laughs> I have no <laughs> clue. Go first. Go first. Go. I'm gonna give this one a C. Okay. The what? <laughs> what? <laughs> you suck as a teacher. Jeez. <laughs> a C. We just talked about Dinwiddie's past few games. Because it's been two games that he's been like, okay. Guys, don't turn it's so the, early. Don't <laughs> turn your radio off because uh, we're about to grade my JaVale take in a little bit. And if this is a C. Fine, fine, fine. A B. A B. <laughs> All right, so you're grading on a curve. <laughs> yeah. I think. Oh he's so offended. I think that's a, that's, a, that's a double right in the gap. I okay, think that's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good prediction. I think, you know, we all. We did the what? Who's gonna score the second most points <laughs> yeah. thing on this show? Like the first episode of this show, and I think we were all pretty high on Dinwiddie. Okay, well, um, I, it was a C because it was a will see. Okay. Uh, oh, a will <laughs> see. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, wow. this w- this segment will be <laughs> good at this rate. <laughs> I wonder if Katya will be a loud back on the show <laughs> whenever this is be. over. <laughs> you're gonna have to defend some of this <laughs> stuff because you're effing up right <laughs> now. <laughs> Dang, Bob, that was good. Yo, that was fire. Dad jokes for days. <laughs> Let's go. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's a pretty strong take. But like Katya said, it is early. Um, I think the real barometer is gonna come, you know, this back to back, Dinwiddie was awesome, but he didn't play a lot of back to backs last season. Yeah. So as the Mavs go on, eventually Luca's gonna need a night off. Jake had even said, I think on this homestand, he's gonna set out a game and there is a back to back where the second game is against Houston. And so in those circumstances, Dinwiddie's really going to have to be like last season. Whenever Luca was out, Brunson always delivered. So we'll yeah. see if if Dinwiddie can do it. Whenever Luca's out, then that's really going to be kind of the. That's how you get that that ball over the fence. Yeah, I'm just that's how yeah. You go I just yard. wasn't super sold on it, dude. Because I just I haven't seen what you would call break like a breakout season. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. The past okay. two games, yeah, okay. 
So it passes. It's a tough crowd. It's a tough it crowd. It's a tough crowd. Okay, fine. You know what, Bobby? You go first. I'm glad okay. I, I don't want to. I don't want to be over here like crushing. I'm glad crushing that Cat is um, in the media world and doing Mavs stuff instead of teaching. So <laughs> yeah, you would not pass. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just continue. You missed half the question. <laughs> I'm five years old. <laughs> You're a failure. I a C passes. Okay, C's get degrees. All right. So that's true. That's true. Uh, next. My next uh, opinion <laughs> slash prediction slash whatever before the season. This is gonna go really well. I thought JaVel McGee was going to be one of the most underrated additions of the offseason. I mean, I went as far as saying, I think Zach Lowe is going to talk about it on a podcast by saying, you know, telling his listeners, this is one of, you know, for 15 minutes a night, them upgrading for Dwight Powell to JaVel McGee was going to be a, a, a big upgrade for them. Now, I never thought JaVel would be a 30 minute game guy, but just that 15 to 18 minute role that Dwight played, getting somebody with veteran experience. That would theoretically protect the paint and rebound better than Dwight. I was like, that's gonna do wonders for this team. So I'm just setting it up for you here. Uh, I know how All I feel right. about I'm it. Pass it to Bobby. I think I, I think right now um, you're facing an 0-2 count, <laughs> and you're just you're choking way up on the bat, just trying to foul balls off for dear life. Basically, uh, yeah. keep the at bat going. Good. Which is like the, a very friendly way of saying, you know, at some point you remove the benefit of the doubt. Um, yeah, but there is a difference between the way Phoenix defends and the way the Mavs defend, and it looks like JaVale is kind of internally, you can see it happen on the floor, like, he's debating, like, should I be a shot blocker, or should I just be, like, a an obstacle, you know, and there's a difference, right, if you're lunging at shots, then you uh, might get yourself out of position, we saw KP do that all the time, too, like, if, mm-hmm. you, if you're trying to block every shot, then you're not going to be in position all the time. Whereas if you try and get into really good position, sometimes you're not going to block the shot. And I said this about KP as well, because it, it does look at times like JaVale is a step slow or is maybe like missing a rotation or whatever. But the Mavs perimeter defense this year has, Kati, we just talked about in the mm-hmm. last segment, it hasn't been good enough. Mm-mm. And so if a player is struggling, and JaVale's certainly struggling right now for what, one reason or another, the worst thing that you can possibly do to a player that's struggling is repeatedly put them in positions where they have to make a play, yeah. right? And the Mavs just cannot keep guys on the outside. They cannot stop dribble penetration. And so even if JaVale was playing at a super high level, there's a whole lot being asked of him. Offensively, it has not been – you're seeing the difference between JaVale and Dwight. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. Dwight knows how to play with Luka. JaVale doesn't really know how to play with Luka. You're seeing what happens when that's the case. Um, I'm Again, I'm willing to give the guy more time because he just got here. But at some point, you start running out of time. At some point, you say, well, it's, it's Thanksgiving or it's Christmas. We can't keep doing it. So, you know, the, the pressure's on. It's 0-2. You're on the road. Crowd is on its feet. And you're just, you're just trying yeah. to hit those splitters into the dugout. You're, you're, try- yeah. you're trying to keep that back going. Good baseball analogy. Thank you. I had the same take as you going <laughs> into the summer. Or yeah, going you, were, in. you were stoked on I that. was, yes. And um. I'm just going to say, like, let's give it a little bit more time and see what happens. I love well, that I mean, we, g- we can uh, – <laughs> But we, I also – We obviously like have to, to be careful, but the, yeah. the on-off stuff is undeniable. You know, yeah. The on-off stuff is undeniable. And so the, I mean, the, the best we can hope lie. for is that as, as he plays more, yeah. he'll get better. As, oh, as, oh. Yeah, there you go. So, I mean, I'll leave it at that. I yeah. agree with you. I would give myself um, probably a D-minus. 
Oh, well, okay. <laughs> so now that's too harsh. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. For everything that Bobby has said, it, it just um, the different scheme and stuff in Dallas, but also, you know, he is getting older and a guy yeah. has a lot of minutes and seven footer and everything and he just looks slower out there and Dwight's better we recorded this show last Friday before the Toronto game and we were talking about hey should Dwight start with JaVale right now or like, and then guess what <laughs> it's like yes and then that you know that night, that night he, he did and he, he played did. great but and the thing is like Dwight has been playing a lot more minutes lately and he's not stopping anybody at the rim either so yeah. it's it's not that you know, this is a this is not a unique problem to JaVale but, you but know. I think the thing with Dwight was that we already knew that yeah like going he's not into it like he is not expected you're at least to do getting that, right? something good from dwight in the pick and roll yeah mm. with javel pretty much yeah. all facets it's of just it, right? i'm just so conditioned to think about javel as a defensive player yeah um that i'm not even thinking about the offense but the offense again that is night and day difference compared to dwight yeah. um and so for me the way that he's going to make his impact is by doing better on defense any offense is a bonus um unfortunately right now it's just not it's not happening so uh, this one isn't a hot – really, none of these are supposed to be hot takes. It's just predictions <laughs> before the season. But uh, Luca was the MVP favorite going into the season. Yet again. And Yet again. And he actually was my prediction this year. Like, hey, I think Luke, this is the MVP season for Luka Doncic. Now that we're 11 games in, how do we feel about that take? Uh, that's a good take. Nice. Yeah, that's a that's a good take. I think that this definitely could be the year. I think you need to be careful how much you play through him throughout the season, and that way you don't see tired Luca the way that we kind of have seen the past couple games. Um, I think you need to usage rate has been a very like buzzword lately. Um, I don't know how much you guys you know really go by that, but uh, I do think having Another guy, Spencer, step up, take some of the load off of him is going to be key to him having this MVP year. You hit a hard ground ball, shortstop is tracking it down, trying to make a jump throw. You're going to have to leg this one out. Um, Luca's numbers are incredible. But yeah, Bobby, in these are really good. I like, I'm, uh, these all get A's. Sorry, Isaac. The Mavs, in, in order to win the MVP, you can put up God tier numbers, but. If you're not winning a lot of games, it's not going to matter. But and here's so, the thing. You know. I mean, Jokic won MVP, and they were six in the West. Yeah, but they still won, what, 47 games or 46 games, something like that. And so if, if you finish top six, then you're giving yourself a chance. But right now, the Mavs aren't top six. I know, but so, you know, it's no, it's no longer the best player on the best team Yeah, is all I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. But they, they got to win. You know, so you, there is a threshold somewhere in there. So the yeah, Mavs yeah, yeah. have to win games. Now, the way that they're going to win games is by Luka playing well. And so... It's kind of a... Manage his time. Yeah, one will beget the other. I think that's the right way to say it. I don't know. So speaking of the standings, one of my other offseason takes was where the Mavs would finish this season. Okay. I said before the season, the Mavs... They're going to finish at home against the Spurs on April 9th, I think. That is a You're good so chance cute. of happening. Um, but before the season, I said the Mavs would finish uh, anywhere from 5 to 7 in the West. Right now, they're setting in the 7th spot. Uh, okay. Just a half game above New Orleans, uh, setting at eight. How we feel about that take right now? It's a shot down the line, man. Feel yeah. like that's very accurate. Um, coming into the year, you know, you, oh, I was wrong about this. Clippers and Warriors, I thought were, yeah, you know, and maybe Phoenix. Um, I was super high on the Clippers too. Yeah, and yeah. then Denver. I thought that was your top. And Denver, four. Yeah, yeah, Denver. And then the Mavs are left to contend with like the Wolves, the Pelicans, you know. 
Um, obviously not the Jazz <laughs> or the Blazers, who are yeah. off to great starts. But yeah, yeah, I feel like that's pretty. I feel like that was pretty fair coming into the year, and based on the way things are looking now, if you can finish fifth, that would be rad. Oh, I like that. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Uh, I think that's a good take. It's it's uh, it's an A in my book. <laughs> All right, her Rede- grading redemption. Getting, her, her grading's <laughs> getting better. Are we as the season goes on? <laughs> teachers just get worn down. Yeah. They're like, just get me to get me to. By make, the spring, you know? they're passing everything. They don't yeah. want to see you again. I don't want to see you again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, no, no. But I think I think it's a good take. I think um, something that uh, Skin said last season when the Mavericks were entering this playoff run that ended up being a super long playoff run they made it to the western conference finals was like hey enjoy this enjoy every minute of it enjoy every game of it because you don't know when you'll be back don't take it for granted you don't know when a team will be back might never happen might never happen again you might not be this team that does it. it might be a completely rebuilt team that goes you know this far again and i i think about that often because i kind of did take it for granted and i was like they got a lot of the same pieces, you know, Jalen's gone, but like Spencer, he's good. You know, we upgraded center. So I really think like, Hey, we can make it back. And you know, I was wrong. I, I was completely wrong. Like I went into the season having really high expectations being like, we already went to the Western conference finals. So like what's stopping us from doing it this year? No live in the moment. Like, really cherish that because you really don't know when you'll be back and who's to say they could be back again this year yeah because like this time last year we were sitting around kind of the same i thought that with a new coach with a new gm i thought with some new players that they'd be really good and they weren't until february right so it's so like it's it's still early early, but what what skin said just really like i go back to that like Mm. over and over and over again and just being like wow like yeah like that was really special and like yes you should savor those moments because you really don't know when you'll get them back yeah we're doing cat's corner or are we doing another another take hit we us got, with another take it. let's do another take all right josh green i was pretty i didn't know how to word this uh to our graphics person on uh what to put on the lower third uh, but hit me for jo- for josh green's role this season i was pretty confident going into the season that we knew what Josh Green was, that he was, it was pretty defined. And I was worried about his role. Like, is he even going to have a role in this team? I was just, for the paraphrasing, I was just much lower on Josh Green than I'm like, all right, I just know who he is. If he plays here and there, cool. But this is just basically who he is. How would you grade that? Because I feel very wrong in that right now. Before we grade that take, how do you feel about it now? Um, I don't think that Josh Green should be logging 40 minutes a night as a starter. No. But, but he has shown me improvement in his jump shot. Um, Confidence. He's made me rethink a little bit of how long we should give people before we define them. Um, because I was, I feel like I was a little bit unfair to him mm-hmm. of just considering all of his circumstances of how he started in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I've seen like his jump shots really good right now. Mm-hmm. He's shooting the ball really well. And just the impact of having a guy, maybe this is because of some of the other guys on the team, but having a guy like him that brings what he does that's different from the other guys of his yeah. energy, hustle, all of that. It, he has a spot in the rotation, and he should be getting a decent amount of minutes off the bench. So how do you grade the take? The take was that it was kind of con- you were kind of unclear on what it would be. I mean, I think that's still – I still think that's a pretty good take. It's probably just a bloop single because – I still think it's unclear. Like, yeah, 
he's shooting it well. What if he goes, you know, he's only taken what 16 threes. I mean, yeah. what if he goes over his next four or yeah. over his one for his next 12? You know, um, I think that Josh is coming into the season. Josh's biggest enemy was, and this is I, the last thing I like to do is psychoanalyze players, but it was all confidence. Mm. It was all like thinking, not doing, passing up open shots, you know, instead of going the upper dunk, trying to lay it in. Um, instead of going for the rebound, like kind of halfway going for the rebound, committing a loose ball foul. Mm-hmm. Like, just do it. Just shoot. Run the floor. Throw it down. Go up and get that rebound. Like, there's nothing holding you back. Mm-hmm. You can do it. Just believe in yourself. And he's playing much freer. And so that, to me, is a huge success for him. But you have to keep it up for 82 games and then for 15 seasons. So, you know, it's it's early, but I think that I think that he is – Definitely taking huge strides forward. I agree with you. Should not be playing 40 minutes. But uh, he's earned every second of playing time that he's gotten this season. And we'll probably, if he keeps playing like this, we'll probably end up getting more soon. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the last, uh, during the homestand, I I became a huge Josh Green fan because his confidence, like you said, you know, it's showing now. Like, he's not passing up those open shots. He's taking those open threes. And and he's, he's seen a lot of them throughout the years where he was open to take the three and he passed the ball. Yep. And like before I would just be like, what the heck dude, like you're open, just shoot the three, you know, like just shoot it. And he wouldn't. And that's like for sure a confidence thing. And now also like his dunks are like those momentum dunks that we talk about, right? Those plays that like really spark something in the team and like gets them going. And or he gets I think the other coach to call timeout. Yeah, or like momentum plays, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's either like for the for the team or it causes like the other team to kind of be like, what the heck? And like let's reevaluate this. And and I think that that's an important player to have. And I agree with both of y'all. Should he be playing forty minutes? No. Should he have a solid fifteen, seventeen, eighteen in those, you know, maybe in the non Luca minutes? For the energy, yeah, why not? But I also know? think he could maybe play with Luca more. Okay, it's tough to do that though because like uh, there's a a large uh, Twitter's not real, but there's a lot of people on Twitter that want Josh Green to start over Reggie Bullock. And I think okay. that no. that's no, you know, with the way that Reggie's playing right now, he's really struggling. But I think that it, w- but defense, you've got to be careful about getting about making too many changes all the time with the starting lineup because that really does have an effect on people. Imagine if you had a bad week at work and now some underling is now your boss because you had one bad week or you had one bad month. Like that that's not how it works. You have to have some sort of entrenched something. Mm-hmm. Over the course of 2 months, if Reggie's still really struggling and Josh's playing great, maybe. But like today, it just it is not No. It's not it isn't because part of the reason Josh is good is because he comes off the bench and changes the energy level. Like that's yeah. part of his whole deal. So it's kind of we'll see. We'll see about that. Reggie's shooting thirty one percent from three. It's his lowest percentage since his rookie season. But but we all know that Reggie slow like starts slow. He he did it last year. He rebounded. He played forty something minutes a night in the playoffs. Shot the ball really well. Yeah. Um. Finished season shooting, you know, thirty six percent from three. Yeah, you can't so, pinch a guy has two bad weeks. Yeah. You, just, you no, can't you do just, it. You can't. It's you been eleven it. games this season, so uh, yeah. we need a bigger sample size before I think. Uh, and let's yeah. just enjoy where Josh Green is at in his role and the big role he's playing. Coming up next, we're coming up on hour two of the Corner Three on ninety-seven one. The Freak 
Special guest. Special guest, man. It's a lot of fun. Is this our first guest in studio? Yes. I think so. Wow. What better of a guest to have Andre on to talk about the City Edition? Welcome to the Retroplex Video Vlog. It is our number two of the corner three on Studio 41 Radio on 97 One The Freak and the Mavs YouTube channel. Hope you're having a great one. Bobby, Katya, for one segment, Isaac has decided to step aside and give the floor to the real MVP. Yeah. The mind behind the Mavs' incredible City Edition jersey video reveal, reveal video. Not really sure what you call it. That's the first question that I'll ask him. You're familiar with his voice? But on YouTube, we're putting a face to the name. And on the radio, we're putting a, a voice to the voice. It's Andre <laughs> Robinson. Andre, welcome. Ooh. Well, welcome. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> All right. His mic, his mic was muted. Um, Andre, what do we call the video? Is it a City Edition Jersey reveal video? I think it's, I think it's a, a film. I think it's a film. It's a video. It's whatever, you, a project. You know, a spot, whatever you feel like you want to interpret it as, you know, a, a time piece, time capsule. A film with a capital F. It is it is art. Uh, a la, like, Showtime. If you haven't seen it, it's on the Mavs, every Everywhere. social channel, Twitter, Instagram, the whole bit. Facebook, I'm sure. Um, it's like a minute and a half to two minute long video revealing the jersey. So it had leaked. People kind of saw what it looked like, but they haven't seen it on a player. But basically, the entire team was there. Uh, it was a huge party in the AAC. With real people and some fake, we're going to get into the making of it and how it all worked. Yeah. Um, but Andre, before we do that, can you please uh, tell the, the listeners, tell the viewers a little bit about yourself and how you ended up working here, where you, where you come from, your story? I'm from Columbia, South Carolina by way of Georgia. Um, started off at Clemson Football, like when they started, you know, coming out with Dabo, Sweeney, hitting the whip and Nene in the locker room. So the Vine Age era. Uh, Took my talents at that time to Ohio State. From Ohio State, went to the L.A. Clippers. And then from the L.A. Clippers, went to the Dallas Mavericks. It's a lifelong journey with my teams as rivals. I'm a Michigan <laughs> fan, of course, as a Mavs fan. Andre, you were with the Clippers. Were you with the Clippers for both playoff series or just the first one whenever the, the Mavs played L.A.? All of them. I came here last year. Okay. So you were there for the seven-game series, too? You were with the Clippers? Yeah. Wow. It's my fifth year in the league. Nice. 2-0 two, two oh against us. I mean. But then Andre joins, and now all of a sudden the Mavs are going to the conference finals. So. So I think like that, like, I'm, like no, no kidding. Like, Clemson goes national championship my first year. Okay. Then they, uh, <laughs> national championship the first year, then uh, Ohio, nah, I got a ring with Ohio State, but it was a national championship. But I've, I've been a part of, like. The Ohio State. No, both years was Clemson national championship. So, geez, so when Deshaun Watson was there, yeah. wow, that's wow. cool. Yeah. So, in order for the Mavs to turn this thing around, do we just need to like give you a raise or what? Like, how how do the Mavs start winning more, games? More videos. More videos. I like it. Okay. I like well, it. Yeah. Win win streak is gonna start. So, okay. This video, uh, the theme is welcome to the Retroplex, and now from what I understand, that's all you were told about the video <laughs> whenever you had to to make this whole thing. Andre was the director, basically the writer, producer, the whole bit. It was all your idea. Um, but you had to think of all this stuff without having seen the actual jersey. Yeah. So I think the cool part about it is like, I guess, you know, retroplex. I didn't even know it wasn't a word. Um, but 
you know, immediately I kind of thought about like, you know, old school 70 times mm -hmm. where it's like, the, it's like funky town or groovy town disco type of era in like the metropolitan area of wherever you stay at. So um, that's the first thing that came to mind. Like, and then when you go, you know, more and more along the lines of kind of identifying what you want to execute with that, you know, you start looking into kind of the semi-pro, Starsky and Hutch, uh, HBO's Winning Time to kind of build those vibes together. So is that kind of like your info or like your mood board for the video? I think it was the easiest way. I would think it was the easiest form of communication for everyone to kind of understand what you're, you're going yeah. with. Um, you don't, in the team setting, you don't really have a big budget. And, you know, you only have pretty much one day to shoot this. Mm -hmm. And it's a limited time. You know, most movies and things of that nature, they take years or months. Yeah. And so, especially a limited time with the players, too. Mm -hmm. So, like, you had to make the best of, like, those, you know, 10, 15 minutes that you got with each player. Yeah. So, like, it, a lot of it started off with, like, you know, just treatment videos and kind of, you know, GIFs or GIFs, whatever it may mm -hmm. be, like put them on PowerPoint. Do you say GIF or do you say GIF? Whichever one gets the job done. <laughs> wow. I like Practical. it. Practical. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, put them on PowerPoints and having people kind of understand, like, kind of movements mm -hmm. and uh, mood boards you want it. Also, uh, Roll Bounce, the movie with Lil Bow Wow in it. Oh, wow. What a throwback. Yeah. So putting those elements all together, even like music videos, I think it was like the Beaches, uh with with uh, John Travolta. Like staying alive. Yeah. With that sort of yeah. like glossy almost yeah. look. Everything is shiny. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think John Travolta movie, what's that? Uh, he plays Saturday Night Fever. Yes. Never seen one. it, but I know the, but you know it. the name. I you know stuff the from that, like when they were dancing and the disco floor. Um, so uh, different elements, you know, even like modern music videos i think it was some place out of yeah i, th I thought the uh the cheerleaders and the people on the skates were like such a cool touch like it really it really took you to this era of like wow like we're we're in the 1979 1980 yeah you had to you know I, I feel like you had to really live it you know so like a lot of that time mm -hmm. i was spending like listening to these 1970 1980 playlists and just really doing method acting yeah, like I had to like dress up to really feel like I'm a part of this, and it, and it really felt like it showed in the in the film. Um, I mean, I've never seen a director like full dressed up, like in character to mm -hmm. like bring the vibe. So like, I mean, that's, you showed that's up a real to the office. Coach, you know? like, yeah, for sure. You showed up to the office the day before. You were like ready and you're yeah. in your fit. I think buy-in, you know, buy-in. Yeah. I think I think you know, especially with. Like I said, it, it's not a big budget, so it's like participation in people's um, being there, uh, you know, on the scene or, you know, buying from the players. They had to really feel like, okay, we're going to take this serious and you know, mm -hmm. want to be a part of this and it's fun. So Yeah, so the way this worked is that we essentially for one day turned American Airlines Center into Reunion Arena. Now, some of that was done with special effects and movie magic and stuff that I don't really understand, uh, but some of that also came from the fans, uh, a bunch of fans signed up and registered to to show up. There was a couple hundred people there, fans. There were uh, Mavs, you know, our our coworkers. Uh, Kati and I were in character. That's right. Uh, I was like a radio broadcaster. Unfortunately, I didn't get a, a chance to explain my whole kind of uh, you know character inspiration. You didn't on, get the full backstory. Yeah, moment. I didn't get the I didn't get any character development. I was a very stagnant character, but I was <laughs> in the first shot, and then Katya walks by and hands me a big old stack of papers. That's right. So that's our contribution. We're both just there for 
just real quick right at the we beginning. We set the scene. Yeah. With Falwell's voice behind us. Oh, yeah. So, I mean. And I went, uh, I went mustache, shaved the beard, just the full stash. It was very bushy. It was about six weeks of work. If you're going to, to the game tonight, Saturday, Portland, City Edition Reveal. If you run into Bobby, he'll have his. Uh, oh, you'll see me. The full stash. I'm, I'm going, going stash going? again. Yeah. This is this this beard is coming off again. I don't know if I'm going to dress up because it might rain and stuff, and I don't want to. <laughs> you know, I don't. Wanna, I, I only don't have so melt. many suits. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's it's going to be a risk, but uh, it was fun. Everybody, everyone that went, there was a guy a guy that actually watches us on Twitch was there. We met him. Uh, and oh yeah, he, shout he out Luca Mav seventy seven. Yeah, he was Yo. decked out in like this orange suit with big pants and. The baby, the <laughs> yeah, baby was, was there. Baby. It was actual baby on set, like, and didn't cry the whole, I want to say we were there for like eight hours. Yeah. Eight hours, didn't, didn't cry. I remember you gave the baby a shout out. You're like, this is a well-behaved baby. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to the baby. Shout out to the baby. The, I think that was the most craziest part is like, I mean, obviously we did this on a Tuesday, mm -hmm. you know, so. Um, like at like eight in the morning. Yeah. You know, I, you know. I guess I've been around some crazy fan bases, but like this one was kind of more a loyal vibe. Like everyone was there like the whole time, and like and there were people there that have been going to the game since they were at Reunion Arena. Yeah, you know, including me. Yeah, I have memories of that place. Some Dallas legends. Uh, Big Tuck was there, right? Right. Darrow. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We had some. We had some, We had a really great roster there. Honestly, um, starting with you know Glassworks and their crew. They flew in from Amsterdam, so. The people who did the visual effects and the and the crowd plating and things of that nature, they came from Amsterdam. And uh, the CEO is actually from Dallas. So he was super hyped and just texted me now about how he's, like, loving the film and the, um, how it's feeling. And then also, you know, Nick uh, from and Nick from uh, NA Films coming from Fort Worth, you know, and their crew to... They were uh, awesome. DP the shoot, so. Yeah, yeah I mean, we had lights and camera. It was like a legit yeah. set. Yeah, it was like a set. It was a legit, it was yeah. Really and there's, there's a behind-the-scenes video that's going to come out uh, at some point this weekend as well that you'll be able to see. Um, so the crowd plating. So if you've seen the video, it looks like there's 20,000 people in the arena or yeah. 15,000 people in the arena. But the day of, we just said there was like 200 people there. And so... To How put it into perspective, 200 is like take a lower bowl section and like cut it in half. Yeah, and basically, it was yeah. About Less about that. that. Yeah, Less or that. like yeah. the courtside seating on one side of the floor is like one or two rows of people. That's mm -hmm. all that was there. But we made it seem, and it looks real. I mean, it, it looks, looks real. Uh, way better than video game crowds on two K, right? Uh, how did how did that work? Can you describe the process and explain the process of how they were able to do that? Well, let me just talk about the origin of how it came about. Um, so when we came up with the idea, uh, we reached out a few companies, and um, I reached out to this particular company, which was Glassworks, and like immediately, I want to say like 10 minutes later, like Chris Kaiser from uh, Glassworks reached out, was like, yo, basically like, we want to do this, like we're going to figure this out, like I'm a big Mavs fan, That's I so live dope. in Amsterdam, like uh, this is like my dream baby, like we're making this happen. And so it was kind of like, all right, like, okay, let's, let's get the ball rolling. And, you know, uh, apologize to the Mavs fans about like, I'm not too familiar with Reunion Arena. So like he actually like came up with like, all right, we should, we're making Reunion Arena. We just wanted like an old school vibe. We were, mm -hmm. we were going to shoot in the loose field house. Mm. Uh, okay. In the, I guess in Addison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were trying to target for that. And then they were like, nah, like, we're going to make this reunion arena and we're going to shoot an AAC. And I was like, 
all right, well, he was making a lot of sense with, you know, like a lot of the diagrams and kind of like the measurements of how things can work out. And it was really impressive. Yeah, uh, I mean, it really does look like, so Reunion Arena, mm -hmm. by comparison to the American Airlines Center, there was no suite level. It was just your bottom yeah. section, your upper section. And in the video, you'll notice there are no suites. Like the whole yeah. background Oh, I have to go back and look at that. Straight up. It is, yeah, it it is Reunion Arena. It's pretty wild. And I, I think to answer your question about like how the 2D plating work, I mean, it was a lot of work from our extras. Like, yeah, shout out the extras, yeah, for sure. Yeah, shout out to the extras. They were really putting it, like, kind of like, it was kind of like this copy and paste type of movement. Like, you sit over here, sit over here, sit over mm -hmm. here, sit over here. And then, uh, you know, once you do that for a while, like like I said, we had a baby, and the baby didn't cry, all that moving and moving to a different scene. Fans screaming. Because the dude, like, the... Oh, yeah, the, the dude was yeah, great. Yeah, so the, like the production assistant or assistant thing. director was like, Boo the Spurs. All right, there was a bad call. Boo. Okay, yeah. now Luca just hit a three. Whoa. You know, he's just <laughs> it was really cool. screaming for like four hours. Right, and we started at like nine. Mm. So like imagine, To bring that energy yeah. at 9 a.m. Like we started at 9 a.m. And we didn't finish the shoot until about five-ish. It was a full day. It was a full day. But like basically think about like moving like uh, an attendant, you know, from the seat to like a red coat came and say, hey, this is not your seat. This is not your seat. This is not your seat. And you're keeping that energy up for like the whole yeah. day. <laughs> mm. So basically it was like everyone sat and probably estimated probably like 30 different seats. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, because you're yeah. filming your the bottom top. of the section and then the middle Ooh, of the section and then the top and then you're going over and, and then so, you're doing it again and, and again think about, like, and again. So you, you first you do it in like blocks. So it's like checkers, like you're, you're like blocks of checkers or squares, whatever you may call it. And then it went to like vertical and then it went to like mm -hmm. horizontal lines. And so it was like, dang, like we really, <laughs> we really like kind of like painting the whole arena with like. With real people. Real people. Yeah. So when we took it back in post, all they're doing is just taking those clips, which probably was like a lot of clips. I, I can't remember, but it was a lot of files. We had to use two drives to like get wow. all the footage. To, to move all those people. Yeah, so every extra is basically in this video 20 times. Shout out Mike Marshall. <laughs> he, w he was yeah, in that crowd. Yeah, he was Machine showed up either <laughs> either looking like Secret Service on a day off or a guy with a real bad motive. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, we have real actors too. We have real actors. They were, they were coming to me asking me like, hey, you know, do you want me to switch my outfit and everything like that? But we didn't really want people to switch outfits or like kind of change their clothes because we had to anticipate the players which was so precious. I mean, after kind of the run out shot, Luca was gone. So we probably only had like five minutes of Luca, and we had to shoot him, um, you know, I guess we had two cameras because we wanted to kind of mm -hmm. get the maximum exposure kind of what's going on. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a tricky thing, but I think what we did was we, we made a really good plan and executed it, and... Um, came out great. I mean, and that's all props to you because, I mean, you shot block, you conceptualized the whole thing, and I, I thought it came together so well. Yeah, communication, I think, was the biggest word. Communication, just repeating things, you know, yeah. and, and emails, making it very concise, like highlighting things, uh, underlining, and then not putting it in this tone of, like, command, but, like, making sure everyone understood what the assignment we were going to do. Yeah, and then getting everyone to buy yeah. in. Like, I feel like once we got to the pre-production prior of, like, we felt like the film was already done. Honestly, that's awesome. Like, that's a just, good feeling. It was just kind of like just roll out the camera and just go. Yeah, my favorite part is uh, Dwight and Maxie doing their their pregame. Their little mm -hmm. thingamajig. Their I don't know. They yeah, just they just touch balls. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so there's no other way to say it. It's funny just what story they do. About that. 
funny story about that. They actually, um, they came from practice, right? Mm -hmm. So they're already kind of like ready to go home. And, you know, they, Maxi comes up to me. He was like, you look ridiculous. Now I'm all dressed up like I'm like straight out of 1970. Oh, yeah. You had the bell bottoms. Yeah, like, bottom. yeah. So he's coming to me like, you're absolutely ridiculous. I don't even think like Maxi knew who I was because, you know, the costume I was wearing. So, like, he was not listening to me at all. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, who is this guy? Yeah, he's like, who is this know. guy? So, like, I don't, I, at that moment, like, you know, we're, we're trying to get this thing done. And, you know, and I think I, I had to take a lot of patience, like, take a step back and just let him do him. And so that shot with him and Dwight actually was just them reacting to the crowd, the great crowd. So kudos to the great crowd to getting that shot yeah. of, of making them feel like, hey, let's do something cool. Cause it was not me. <laughs> that's all. No, hey, that's cool. However, you get the shot, you got yeah, the shot, like and I it works. To, I had to take a step back. I had to <laughs> the thing that's cool about like this video, just generally though, is that oftentimes the reveal video is gonna sort of um, leave this kind of indelible impact on the way that the jersey is perceived, right? So, like mm -hmm. last season, for example, mm -hmm. you helped on the shoot. Uh, it the was mix that tape. the mixtape shoot. Mm -hmm. We had Big Tuck. We had the DOC. We had Bobby Sessions. The second most important Bobby with the Mavs. That's me. <laughs> Bobby's number one. Bobby Sessions number one. I'm number two. Um, and so the jersey now becomes intertwined with like the hip hop uh, lore mm -hmm. and the hip hop history in yeah. Dallas, right? This jersey is sort of about Mr. C. You know, there were nods to Reunion Arena and to the the Mavs of the past and and sort of the whole idea and inception of this organization, but also just like fun. You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. the players having fun. And so like Dwight and Maxie doing their little uh, their little ritual, mm -hmm. that's like something that they've been doing for five years. Yeah. And so like forever, we're gonna think about like it that is history of its own, like with yeah, the organization. For sure. And so like you're gonna forever link it to like just people having fun and the players just going on the court and just messing around, dunking and making layups and everything. So like you know, my guy Dorian looked like he had a blast. Yeah. yeah. Dorian, and like Dorian it's just was real bought in. So the, the theme of this jersey is just fun. You know? I think I think well, I could take I tell you where that came from. Um, so I guess I spent a lot of time watching uh, 106 in Park. Oh wow! And yes. Like, and like MTV. Amazing. So like, I'm not gonna use like uh, uh, hip hop examples, but like think about Michael Jackson Thriller. Like that song, if you just heard it, like you not, you don't really get it until you saw the video and the movement and mm -hmm. you saw the dance moves. So it's kind of like just uh, immortalizing a lot of the things that we think are cool around here. Yeah. Which is like their warm up or even you know um, some of like the guys pointing at the camera like they're gonna frank have that. frank was really he yeah, looked so like, chill yeah yeah, yeah so like, the crowd like, yeah, hey, like come on. hey come on yeah. so it's kind of hard to kind of it always helps when you can kind of show someone exactly the emotion that we wanted to mm -hmm. put behind this jersey which was going to be fun and enjoyable and um i think we executed kind of that within the film of having fans have that connective piece to that emotional part of the jersey and the jersey looks great too if you haven't seen it yet you're going to see it on the floor saturday night the mavs are wearing it against the blazers they're going to wear it a lot but it's this very like this almost like radiant blue it's a different shade mm -hmm. than the the current statement ones where it's that darker blue that says mavs almost like a navy it's different than the um the icon jerseys which is that sort of lighter royal blue this is like a very vibrant blue and then it has different shades of green. So it says Dallas and there's like a like a big drop shadow yeah. uh, underneath the Dallas, which is almost in this scripty kind of font. Uh, so it looks kind of elegant, but also very funky, you know. And so I, th I think the jerseys are great. 
Last year's mixtape jersey, I think, is awesome, too. Yeah. Um, it, it was mixtape. It was the City Edition jersey. The year before, the Pegasus. I thought that was a I great jersey I thought that was fire. Well. So, you yeah. know, the first few City Editions were a little hit or miss with the fan base. I know people have very hot takes about the graffiti jersey um, in particular. But I feel like the last three City Edition jerseys have been awesome. The statement of jerseys, the that, that dark blue, it says Mavericks, that we wore up until last season. Mm-hmm. And then this one, it's that dark blue with the Mavs. I think those with are the great, trim. too. the white trim. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know, Andre, you have a really high opinion about the the recent ones for sure. I, I think that these city editions, I might even like more than last year's. But last year's, up until last year, that last year's with the Dallas with the cowboy hat, that that green, satin green down the side, that was like my favorite Mavs jersey ever. This one might I might like even more. Yeah. Um, I, I don't even... I think the jerseys are cool. I think I, I don't look at it from like an on-court perspective. I'm like thinking about it like if I'm going to wear this in the club or if I'm going to wear this like I like it. Sliding out. <laughs> I like it. You know, like what what am I like going to going to like? So I like last year's jersey. I actually really like this year's uh statement jersey. Mhm. With the white trim the new on one. It. like I just feel like I could put I could put that to like some Jordans or like Oh some, yeah. or like some Dunks or you know some Air Force 1s. So uh this year's jersey I don't know. We got to figure out like what shoes can I can I can like pattern it up with, you know. So um, I definitely uh, white like, Air Force Ones. Yeah, they they're gonna be hard. <laughs> okay, okay. I they used to be white. <laughs> but uh, no, nah, these jerseys are cool. Like I I I think the I think the on court look looks really really good. Um, it's clean. It's I think that's gonna be really cool, and I think fans gonna receive that well. And it, even patterning that up with like the city court. Yeah, like, which I, I guess now there will be a city court. We could say, we could say it yeah. now. Uh, yeah, Andre like just the, said it live the city court on, on, like the internet, that, on the mic. That is going to be really, that with the pattern up like that, it's just going to be really good. Well, super quick, I just got to brag on you since you joined the squad. You know, like all, all the videos have been amazing. Uh, the playoff video, that one was so hype. Like, oh, yeah. That one was like one of my absolute favorite playoff videos that I have seen in years and years. So Super stoked to have you on the team, dude. Yeah, yeah talented guy, man. Great job. Rolling. Yep. Keep it rolling. Thank you for joining us, Andre, uh, for a segment. You can now go about your day and enjoy it. But we're going to stay working. It's the fourth quarter coming up on the corner three. We're going to go around the NBA. We're going to look at the Mavs' upcoming schedule. And we got me in the bonus again right after this. That. But over there. Well... The Mavs might have some fourth quarter woes, but we don't. And this is Seggy number four on the corner three. Studio 41 Radio, 97.1 The Freak, the Mavs YouTube channel, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you are. It's time to get down to business. Let's go. Now we got a couple things we're going to do in this segment. We got in the bonus coming up. I'm looking forward to that one personally. We got, (laughs) we got, uh. The Mavs upcoming homestand, we're going to do some previews over the next you know week or so of basketball. But first, I want to check in on other teams. Now, we do this kind of a different way every week, but we've spent two full segments basically just lamenting the things that are going wrong with the Mavs, and yet they're 6-5. and five. <laughs> And there are other teams <laughs> it that were... It could be worse. <laughs> it could be worse. There are other teams that were thought to maybe be better than Dallas or at least just as good as Dallas that are also struggling a little bit. And so I thought it might be a good idea to gauge the panic meter situation you know has their panic button been pushed um and should they do something about it so should these teams be patient or should they make a move now let's start out east in the eastern conference 
Wow. With, it, with a team that I hey. expected to uh, take a step back this season. I think I went on record saying that. I'm not sure everybody else feels the same. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Bobby's wanting a good grade. The Chicago Bulls. You are six so and salty about that. <laughs> <laughs> I was generous with my grading, Isaac. I want to say that. The thing about that C. Uh, oh but the, God, the Chicago sorry. Bulls, six and seven. Lonzo Ball, who knows when, when or if he's going to come back and, and in what condition he'll be whenever he does. So the, the, the question here, the angle is, should this team wait it out? Should, the, should they just be patient and let things develop? Or now that we're getting closer to the time whenever you, you, know, you can maybe start making some moves, should this team do something? Whatever that is, make a trade, bench someone, shake up the rotation, something. I think for them, it's one of two routes. You either swing for somebody big or you just ride it out. They're an Anthony Davis team. Ooh. Oh, okay. I think that because they have win now type of pieces that the Lakers could want. They have some picks, whatever. Um, but if they can't, if they don't swing for somebody like that, then just ride it out. Like you have enough dudes. Like let's just see how it. I mean, I'm not in love with the roster. There's a lot of teams I like in the East more than them. So I was with you that they would take a step back. But unless you're going to, like, are you really going to trade DeRozan? Like, are you going to, you just signed Levine. I mean, I guess you could see what you could get for Vooch. But I like Patrick Williams. And they have a bunch of guards and stuff. It's like a lot of guards. Yeah. Kobe White, your guy, Io Dosunmu. Everyone's guy, Goran Dragic. (laughs) (laughs) They promised him 25 minutes a night. Yeah. And so it's, I mean, I don't know. Ride it out, sure. But if I'm a Bulls fan right now, I'm just like, eh. yeah. Yeah, because currently yeah. they're seventh place. They're still ahead of the Knicks, Nets, Sixers, and Heat, who are all expected to you know, turn it around a little bit at least. I'm with Isaac. Just, I mean, ride it, ride it out for now. I mean, trade deadline is until February, so for now. But things are, you know, things are going to be weird with the lottery. And so yeah. around December 15th is when guys signed this summer can start being traded. And so over the next month or so, I think you are going to start Seeing some things movement. are going to happen. Phoenix, for example, still trying to, with the Jay Crowder situation, mm-hmm. the Lakers seemingly yeah, every Aiden. day are trying to do something. Yeah. That was such a weird situation. Yeah. And so, you know, there's, there are open-ended questions right now yeah. um, that, that could be answered. And Phoenix yeah. has some urgency because Cam Johnson just got hurt too. Yeah. I will say like their top three guys, DeRozan, Levine, and Vooch. I mean, I, I see them staying. I, I, I don't know. I just, I see them wanting to like make it work with them three. Like that's just. Yeah. They have a bunch of win now players too. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So it's tough to it's tough to get better whenever your roster already has all those guys. Exactly. You kind of yeah. have to deconstruct almost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. How about the New York Knicks? Uh, got off to a pretty good start, but they're five and six. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about them. To be honest, I mean they're they're better than I expected them. I don't know, but then also like. Jalen running it, like I also thought that they would be good. I don't know. I was very conflicted on them, so I put them in a kind of a similar spot of Dallas in the sense of like you you're kind of saving up some of your assets, and at some point you're gonna you need to cash them in on somebody. We thought it was gonna be Donovan Mitchell, yeah, who's the next star that they try to go after, and we hear about all oh, they have these relationships with them. I was like, all right, cool. Well, who have you gotten besides you know a guy that you hired his dad and all that but yeah it's for them it's like what what is your when we talk about like make a move you know unless you're going to get an a plus guy 
I don't know if I'm giving up some of my assets. What's that going to do for you if you're the Knicks and put you above Chicago? Like, you know, Washington's going to fall out of the top six there, but there's not a move, I think, that's on the table for New York that's going to put them in the top six with Mm -hmm. Boston, Cleveland, Milwaukee, that crew. I mean, they started off their season three and one, and then since then they've lost five games and only won two. So I I don't know really when... You hit the panic button there. Um, Frustration like a, setting in. No <coughs> shooting on that team. I mean, yeah. Like if they went out and got, you know, one of the guys from Utah. Yeah. And it's like, all right, cool. Like you but got they, Jordan Clarkson. Then what? What are you gonna like? Uh, yeah. What does that do I don't for know. You? I I also didn't know what would happen with like Julius Randle because that was like a weird storyline last year and near the end of the year. But he's averaging twenty points. He's leading the team in in points. I yeah, mean, but shooting numbers are still not. Yeah. R- RJ's fit with. Bronson has been a little bit more clunky than I thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah. But I mean, Julius Randle, twenty point twenty point five points a game, shooting forty six percent. Uh, RJ Barrett, nineteen point three points per game, only shooting forty three percent. And then our guy JB, nineteen point two. He's thing, he's shooting well though. The thing about it for them though is they gave this big contract to Brunson. Mm-hmm. And I say big, you know, it's 25 million, whatever it is. And, you know, TV rights stuff's going to be coming up. But he's young enough to where it's not a DeRozan type of deal to where you're like, all right, we handed a lot of money to an older vet. So we are in win now mode. I think they do want to win now. But if they do slow play it with RJ, Brunson, they all can. this, like they can. And yeah. they're, they're fine with it. The moment they cash in all their chips, now you're win now mode. You you better be winning. Yeah, you're like the Wolves with Gobert. Exactly. Um, yeah. The Knicks have a bunch of players that are like some of the hundred best in the league, but they don't have anybody that's in the top like forty or maybe even fifty. And so it's kind of they're in this weird. It's very hard to win without a superstar. Yeah. You know? I mean, Quentin Grimes, he's a superstar apparently. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah. Um, okay. The last team from the East, the Philadelphia 76ers. Unless you'd rather talk about the Heat, but the Sixers are hurt. They've already given it a couple goes and has not worked for them. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, Tyrese Maxey's young, but otherwise a lot of older guys on that roster. Yeah. A lot, a lot of, of very old yeah. guys on that roster. And I, I really didn't know, like, what would happen with, like, James Harden being out. I'm like, would this make them better? Would, they, would, would this make them worse? I don't know. Did, what do you guys think about, like, his, him, and, him and Joel? Like, wh- what's going on there? It's a little bit more weird than I thought, just because it yeah. feels like there's two different complete. I thought their pick and roll would carry it so much. I thought so too. But it just feels too like two different teams too much for me. Yeah. Okay. And that if I was them, I, I would actually I would make a deal. I would be entertaining every, and they could be right now. But I'd be entertaining anything out there of what could we you know flip the Tobias Harris contract for? You're not playing Thibel very much. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting because he got a lot of playing time early in his career, and then now it just seems that he's kind of like, yeah. So I, I don't falling down in the. In I don't the know. Way. I mean, Tobias Harris makes a ton of money, so you're basically going to be flipping a, a big contract for another big contract. But maybe th- that other big contract fits better. Can you find an Andrew Wiggins type of situation somewhere else where you know a player comes in and fits perfectly next to your star guys? Something like I don't I don't know. But if I was them. I'd be making a deal, uh, if not my coach. If the Sixers have oh. a lot of the best oh. <laughs> 50 or 60 best players in the NBA, and they can't. So team building is hard. I think that's what we're yeah. learning. The Knicks have no stars. The Sixers maybe have too many. Yeah, Tobias Harris is uh, making the most 
on the team this year. Yeah. 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 Like just 30 something. 37 point six a lot mil. of dough. Yeah. Mm. Next highest player is Joel at 33.6. That's because James did such a sacrifice. He did. Yeah. I mean, he did. He's <laughs> at 33 even. He's great. Salting crackers. Yeah. You know, that's what he's he's the know. the ramen diet. Yeah, he really um, He went from throwing 20s to ones. I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's go <laughs> let's go out west. We got <laughs> two teams out west. The Minnesota Timberwolves, they mm-hmm. kind of already made the move, right? They have no picks until 2031 or yeah. something. You, they, you cannot trade picks far enough in the future where they have them. Like, they can't trade ones anymore. Um, but they're five and seven. It's not a good start for them. The um, vibes are weird, too. The vibes the are vibes very are weird. so weird. And so it's kind of a thing of, like, you made this Gobert trade because you want to win right now. At what point, how, many, how, how far out of the race, how far below 500 can you go yeah. before you have to try and make another move? Whatever that is. So I don't know what that move would be. I can think of a few, but what, what is going on? I, to put it in perspective, I mean, their record sounds decent with the five wins. Uh, the five wins are the Rockets, the Lakers, the Spurs, and the Thunder twice. So... And they also lost to the Spurs. I just, yeah, I just just want to throw that out there because I think that adds a little perspective to what their record actually. Yeah, they're owing they're owing infinity against winning teams this year. They have not beaten a winning team. Did y'all see the ant play? (laughs) Standing there with his hands on his hips, man. You can't do that. Bad, tough look. Yeah, Uh, I like him a lot too. I I don't know what you do. Is is, well, is this is this too soon to say you should be? Quietly gauging the market for cat. No, I don't I, think I it don't is. Know, I, I also think like D'Angelo Russell not having the greatest start to his season, so that also. And, and I'm not. He's saying on an that, expiring contract, D. Lewis. Yeah and, yeah, and I'm not saying that like cat is, um, you know, not the better overall player than than Rudy, but it's like, you just gave up all the assets for Rudy. I don't know if you can like flip Rudy for something. No, you can't so do that. That's if, an immediate sunk cost. Yeah, you, that's like buying a car and selling it the next day. You can't. So do that. it's like you, if you want to look at it and say, all right, we have Ant, we have Rudy, can we? Is Rudy back? Yeah, he's playing. Okay. What What could realistic? You know, would a Carl Anthony Towns package landing a like a an, a great point guard next to Anthony Edwards and Rudy Gobert, something like that? What does that look like? Who's that player? You know, you're just kind of shuffling the deck at that point. That, you know, I mean, it just feels like you're chasing yeah. constantly. I, I don't know. The I was higher on this team. They were my sixth. You know, that Dude, sixth I was spot super in the West. High on them. Their offenses look so funky to me. Of like, I I think I just mis misread the having those two bigs and the space, the lack of space for Anthony Edwards, just their fit offensively and stuff. That's why it makes me think of like. I think it'd be a little bit more than swapping out the pieces to where what if that cat spot, a younger player making you know that much money, was the point guard who could run a better pick and roll with Rudy but also help set Anthony Edwards up, up better. I don't know who that is. I mean, we all would love to have a, point, a good point guard, but mm. I don't know. I don't know. The Mavs have two of them, so that's plenty. <laughs> they're, not, they're not close to entertaining cat trades probably, but – if we were two months from now and it's like, hey, rumblings out of Minnesota is they'd be open and trading cat. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, opening my phone saying, oh, that's shocking. I'm like, all right. Yeah, I get it's it. It's tough. It's a tough situation. It's a tough I don't situation. have much cat stock anyway. 
Anthony Towns. I have plenty of. Yeah, I'm all in on, on on Vialba. <laughs> until I until I give fees out and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just traded some. I'm still very. Uh, all right, last sorry. team. <laughs> last team, the Golden State Warriors. They are four and seven. They're zero and six on the road. And uh, their four wins to steal a cat thing. They've beaten the Lakers, the Kings twice, and the Heat all at home. Coming up, they're about to play the Cavs. They play the Suns. Tough schedule there. The Pelicans, the Clippers, the Jazz, the Wolves, the Mavs, and the Bulls all in a row. Oof. Um, I don't. I don't know. I think. I think the team with well chronicled issues. <laughs> Dude, I think the off court stuff is. Um, a bigger deal than they kind of but uh, like I understand like they try to kind of push it and just say no it's fine you know they figured it out it's all good but I I do think like that caused some sort of trust issues and I think there's some just off-court stuff that is uh, making its way on the court and you can see it they're not gelling like they should I mean you think Warriors and you think this team is Really the, good. They won the championship. They literally won the championship. But, you know, you can't ever take it for granted like we talked about. So, I think they should trade Draymond right now. And I don't, wow. I, and All I, right. I, okay. Come out and say it. <laughs> and I don't, think that the, I don't think Draymond will be on the team past the deadline. Wow. All right. I mean, this Get is Get out so ahead of it. Like, we've all heard the money stuff. We've all heard the, um, you know, Ryan Rosillo was talking to, uh, um, I think it was Slater not too long ago. And he's like, hey. You know, ownership for them has already set mm-hmm. out a, a certain number that they don't want to go past and luxury tax and all that stuff next year. He's like, it's either going to be Draymond or it's going to be one of these other big contracts, Wiggins, which he's already signed. Jordan Poole's already signed an extension. It looks like Draymond's So you are, can't trade the extended players yeah, the, it, for a year. You can't trade them. So it's like Clay or Draymond, and it's like, I think they would lean Clay, the guy that, you know, doesn't punch people. So I, I think if you already think he's going to leave, your record isn't – you're not gelling – literally punched somebody this year go ahead and get out ahead of it work with him you have a great relationship with him work with him on finding hey where do you want to go we want to get something back insert Kamingo, whoever into that spot you're already you already don't have a, a good record obviously if you can get somebody else like you want somebody else that's a win now player mm-hmm. but if you can get a solid rotation piece and i don't even know what his trade value would be but i think they should trade him and i think they will trade him before the deadline their bench unit is really struggling. Kaminga, Moody, trying to bring back James Wiseman, Jordan Poole. It has not clicked the way that it did last year. The Warriors did lose a lot of vets like Otto Porter, these guys that, yeah. that influenced them a lot. And they're also now talking about, because Clay Thompson's struggling so much, maybe bringing him off the bench. Mm. So the starting lineup isn't doing well enough, and the bench isn't doing well enough. So the, t- it's the weird. team's not doing well enough. Yeah, the team is just not doing well enough. And outside of Steph. Yeah, outside of Steph. And it's really weird because six months ago, they were the best team in the NBA. Yeah. And it was not really that close, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it lets you know how close the Mavs were to winning the championship last season is that, I mean, you can see how good the Warriors were and then they just fell apart. You're talking about how, like, enjoy it because it might not last. Yeah. Like, geez, I mean, like, these are, it's a great example. Like, who knows? That era might be coming to an end soon. Um, to trade him now, I don't know. I, like maybe you le- need a little more patience, but see, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. You know what Draymond does well? He fouls, and when you foul a lot in an NBA game, the other team goes into the bonus. Oh wow! Oh, you know who's okay, in the bonus right now? A plus, I think oh. it's time for Bobby to be in the bonus. A plus 
All right. Thank you for that, Isaac. I appreciate that was it. so good. <laughs> Y'all, it's time to talk about going outside. One of Twitter users' least favorite things in the world. Hot girl walks. Yeah. <laughs> We're going outside. So for a couple different reasons, I've started walking a lot lately. It's great. Me too. It gets me out of the house. It's a decent exercise, and it also just makes me feel good. And that last part, I can't explain as much personally, but I saw a study uh, on Twitter the other day, actually, that can explain that quite a bit. So in 2014, researchers at Stanford University found that just by simply walking outdoors, 81% of participants in this study saw a marked increase in creativity on the Guilford's Alternate Use Test, or GAU is what I'll call it. Uh, the study, for those interested, is called Give Your Ideas Some Legs, The Positive Effect of Walking on Creative Thinking. We've always known that grass can open your mind, but now we know that touching grass can, too. <laughs> the GAU measures your ability to find alternate uses for common objects such as a button or a tire. For example, one participant was asked to find alternate uses for a button. After a walk, they suggested that a button could be used as a small strainer or as an item to be dropped behind you on a journey to help you remember your path on the way back. These are things that we might not normally think of otherwise. You're, you're making new connections. You're thinking creatively outside the box, if you will. So last time I had the floor, you'll remember I talked about chess. Well, chess players commonly go for walks during classical matches when they're thinking of a next move to make. For whatever reason, I've always paced impulsively when I'm on the phone, especially doing radio interviews when I'm expected to give answers. Whenever I stay seated, I have a hard time maintaining my focus. Maybe this is all unrelated to the study, but it's certainly notable to me. The researchers even thought to place some participants in wheelchairs to measure whether being pushed outside, just movement in general, could have a similar effect. But as these participants didn't ordinarily require a wheelchair, the researchers found that it didn't make any noticeable uh, impact on their results. However, they do theorize that it could indeed work for folks who regularly use a wheelchair, especially if they're able to push themselves in it. So any type of Activity, motion, especially outdoors, is, is what they, were, they noticed. So I, I can't believe I have to say this, but going outside rules. The next time you're trying to compose a fire tweet, you need to send that breakup text or you want to ask someone out, or are struggling with a presentation for school, your job, or whatever else, go for a walk or a ride around your neighborhood if you can. We always say walks can clear your mind, but now we know that they can expand your mind too. So please, please, I beg of you, Touch grass. I love it. I love it so much. I know you and I have talked about this a lot because I go on like daily walks with my dog and at least like I go at least like 45 minutes. Like, I do like two and a half miles like outside every day, weather permitting. And I love it. It clears my mind. It gets me ready for the day if I go in the morning or it helps me wind down at night. And it's also just really like good for the mental health to just go outside mm. get outside do something outside and just uh you know have have time with yourself like that touch grass <laughs> now i picked up uh i picked up walking during uh 2020 yeah i think i think and all of us did. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> gotta get it out of the house yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but don't talk to me on the sidewalk though and uh but no, it, it was it was so good. And even now I try to you know, I try to do it three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, cardio days, other Ay. days, strength days, but Ay. but no, it's just it's it's such a refreshing um even when it's like raining, I love to get out and yeah, walk that in, is in, nice in, too, in the honestly. rain too. Yeah. Uh it just it feels good and yeah, 
put down uh put down the twitter sphere and uh mm. go uh, yeah it's good for your mind it's good for all that stuff but also what i just thought was great about this, this is that soul. you can also develop it's not just about refreshing it's yeah. about enhancing yeah. like it's not just cycling out all the bad stuff it's also about finding new ways to, no there's to definitely think times too, where i go and i like problem solve in my head you yeah. know, just like wh- what can i do about this like what options plan or, for podcast you know yeah, yeah listen listen to a podcast i listen to, to y'all's podcast on my walk you know um, look at that Locked on audiobook, hopefully you know. hopefully you out there listen to the corner three on the walks and hopefully jay kid yeah. and the mavs will engage in some problem solvings because the mavs have got to do better we'll catch up with you next week to see if they did right here on the corner three at studio 41 radio